Welcome to NFP's Insights from the Experts podcast. Each episode showcases timely expertise and perspective from members of the NFP community, delivering information, analysis, and solutions that address our clients' most significant challenges. Hello, and welcome to the second in our 2020 U.S. Trend Report podcast series. I'm your host, Kim Bell, SVP and Head of Health and Benefits for NFP. With me today is Mark Ryder, Head of Innovation for NFP. Today, we're going to be taking a closer look at innovation and how that's impacting the benefits landscape. Let's start with some general questions of Mark. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Um, you know, we feel like, yeah. yeah, it feels like forever ago we did the trend report and a lot, you know, mm-hmm. it's certainly been an interesting year and a year that, you know, will continue to impact us for, you know, quite some time. When you were working on your section of the trend report, what was the one thing that stood out for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, something that has stood out to me for, for a few years now. It's the, the amount of opportunity that exists within uh, the employee benefit space, the insurance space in general, uh, when it comes to technology and innovation, which seems as if the industry has somewhat been in a bubble um, for the last, you know, 10, 20 years as the rest of the world has advanced. And uh, we haven't, things haven't quite caught on 100%. And so I think opportunity is what stands out to me most, that there's, there's so much room for improvement um, throughout the industry. I think in some areas, you know, where perhaps the advancements have been, you know, in the larger group space, you know, where maybe they have advanced a little further, it seems like, you know, we are seeing those those kind of things come down market. Well, if you could pick one word to describe the state of employee benefits in this country, um, what would it be and why? I'm going to cheat a little bit because I think this is actually two words, but we'll call it one phrase. I'd use the word tipping point. Um, You certainly see it quite a bit. I know that I've spoken on it quite a bit. And I really do think that, uh, you know, the technology and the solutions and the innovation uh, have been there in the industry uh, for quite some time. I think there's been uh, change makers that have been bringing solutions to the table it's just that um, to date, many of them have been looked at as uh, nice to have um, or, or, be- or just um, maybe not as critical. And now uh, much of the tools and much of the adoption of technology is, is really being done so out of necessity, a necessity to be able to get back to work, necessity to be able to operate and continue with our day-to-day lives um, in light of the pandemic. So tipping point, although two words would be my one word. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, with the, you know, so much changing about, you know, our workforce, the, you know, every the remoteness of things today. And, you know, it sounds like that's, you know, going to be changes that many companies are adopting, you know, for the long term. So lots of lots to digest. Well, speaking of digesting the trend report, which was, you know, a, a big endeavor, um, for an employer who may be looking for a specific direction on how to make a meaningful near-term impact with their benefit program, what's one action you would recommend they take? I, I think <clears throat> I, I've really encouraged people to not be afraid to shuffle the deck. I have heard quite a bit of feedback from the field where um, that have given the belief that a lot of folks are, are not making as many changes as they go into the, uh, their open enrollment uh, the 2001 open enrollment, um, 2021, excuse me, for any uh, open enrollment. And, and I think it's a lost opportunity, candidly. I think that the world has gone through significant changes, and these are permanent changes to the way in which um, we just live our lives. 
And to think that the same benefits package that we've been seeing for the last 10, 15 years could be a solution that meets the needs of people in this new world, let alone going into 2021 without a pandemic, I would argue that that's the need to be done. But now you throw on top of it a pandemic uh, and people uh, having significant change in their day-to-day lives, um, it can't be possible that the same group of benefits meet the needs. So I think the uh, don't be afraid to shuffle the deck. Don't be afraid to look at benefits that have traditionally been uh, core to your solution, you know, obviously not health insurance and medical insurance, but things, other, other things, and maybe consider that a mental wellness program um, is more critical than, say, potentially a vision plan. And no disrespect to the vision carriers that might be listening to the podcast, but I think we really need to, to be comfortable to make changes and, and, and do so because of necessity again. Yeah, I agree. I think certainly the you know, the need for focus on mental health, financial health, all of those things are needed more now than ever. Well, COVID-19 reminded me of the old saying, necessity is the mother of invention. And in the U.S. Benefits Trends Report that we put out, you talk about how the pandemic has accelerated action and forced companies to embrace digital transformation. What are the, some examples you've seen over the past six months or, you know, whatever time frame you feel is relevant that align with your vision for how companies need to innovate? And how do you expect companies to continue embracing these changes post-COVID? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest example is we'll call it tele or virtual everything. Um, we, we were kind of put in a position a few months back now where we weren't capable. It wasn't an option to be able to jump in your car and go to the doctor um, unless, you were, you know, there was a certain category of illness you're concerned about that being COVID. Um, and people then had to take advantage of the solutions to engage with doctors, engage with professionals, uh, specialists virtually. Um, these type of coverages and, and options and, and uh, programs have been available for years, but there's always been that, um, I, don't, I don't know, reluctance to navigate towards virtual. I uh, always felt that the in-person was giving them something more than the virtual care was going to be able to do. And I think folks have been forced to utilize those programs and, and they've come out of it seeing that it is equally um, as uh, efficient and more effective, or equally as effective and more efficient, certainly, than scheduling a, you know, in person with the doctor that you might not be able to get in front of them for a couple of weeks. So, and I think that that, you know, it holds true now with primary care doctors, but also every other type of program, whether it be, again, we talk about mental wellness, um, we talk about virtual, uh, even uh, physical wellness, um, dietitians, um, and any type of chronic disease management, all can be done virtually. And I think you're going to see more and more of that. I don't think um, there's going to need to be any kind of steps backwards um, where we, we, we don't continue to engage them because I think people have seen success. And so um, I think that's a perfect example. I think, you know, as far as it goes around acceleration of roadmaps, I think a perfect example of that would be all of your return to work solutions that exist in the market. You know, we never had a plan for it. A question that an HR person um, has to answer now around how am I going to monitor the health of my employees as they come back to work? That just was not on the radar before. We, it wasn't even on the, the list of the, a thousand questions that we needed to deal with. And now it's number one. And luckily, there have been technologies that have stepped up and helped people automate that process 
And those technologies weren't developed in the last couple of months. They were there. They were satisfying some other need um, of tracking workers in the workforce. And they pivoted to be able to handle assessments and to handle um, proximity tracking. And so that, I think that's the best example of how some uh, companies out there, some innovators, some problem solvers have taken a platform that they had that was existing for some other use case and pivoted to, to solve for a big problem. And that was how do we get our people back to work? Right. Yeah, I think it's interesting in the, particularly in the benefits landscape, and maybe it works that way in, you know, in other um, business lines as well. But it does feel like we, we almost have to be forced to, you know, something has to occur um, for us to embrace things like virtual, you know, telehealth. Um, yeah. It was something that was, you know, up and coming, but moving slow. And then, you know, something, you know, happens like the pandemic and it becomes the way we do business. And I think a lot of times in benefits, that's kind of how it works. So, well, how does NFP 100%. approach innovation, Mark? What drives our efforts and what values do we adhere to and how do we measure success? Yeah, you know, it's funny when we started this uh, down this path of four years ago, when we started explaining what innovation was and at the end of the day, it's about being better. It's hard to say that you just started that four years ago, right? So I think it's always been um, something that we've been doing throughout our history of NFP is, is striving to be better. It just, um, I think, created its own focal point due to the amount of innovation that was coming to uh, the table as a result of the advancements of technology and availability of data. So, I, I, but I would say if you had a category, the way in which we approach it, I, I think our focus, 100% of our efforts are focused on uh, core problems, big problems that we're solving for, and most of them all come back to improving lives. That if we start and look at a solution or a problem and figure out how we can help improve the lives of the individual, and I'm not saying it's all about it, everything that we do is down to the individual you know, that is an employee of a corporation that we're working with. Certainly that's one of them. And how can we improve their lives and make their lives better to help them more better manage their chronic disease? And if that, you know, if we do that, we focus on that, then everything else falls in place. The claims run better, clients happier, finances happier, and then they're happier with NFP's um, value prop. But I also think it's about how do we, improving lives can also be improving efficiencies. How do we help people in their day-to-day -day lives and carry out their jobs more effectively and more efficiently? Um, and if we're improving their lives while they're at the workplace and making their business process more effect effective, then they have more time to spend on focusing on the, that individual client of ours. So I think if we, we looked at um, focusing on improving lives is, is really core to what is our, our, our why. And once we do that and we've, we identified that, things have been falling in place since then. Right. And I think it's important, you know, for listeners to understand we're looking at improving the lives of certainly, you know, our clients and, you know, their employees, but also our own employees. When we look at innovation, yeah. we look at it, you know, across our organization and certainly across, you know, the organizations of all of our clients and all of our business lines. So, and so as you're saying, meaningful innovation solves a problem. Um, how are we connecting with clients to understand their challenges and the problems they face? Yeah, so uh, interesting enough, and, and folks always um, ask me, you know, how big is your innovation team? And, and the reality of it is it's, it's not big at all. Um, it, it's myself, 
with a ton of ambassadors within our business. You know, it was purposeful the way we built this to not make it top heavy with an innovation team that sits over in a separate building, maybe has the uh, leeway to dress a little bit differently and act a little bit differently um, and is just active in the what if um, without really understanding the core business. And I think when you read reports of where corporate innovation fails, it's when the structure is that it's separate unit and the, it's not, I guess, um, integrated with the core business. And so we've taken an approach of really in identifying ambassadors in our business and subject matter experts that can weigh in on problems they're seeing with their customer and then collaboratively innovation, our field, our technology team and the client um, act in an ecosystem to help solve for those problems. So it's not as if we're out there, um, reading trend reports and then solving for problems that we read about, we're solving problems that are bubble up from our, our, our people in the field through ideation campaigns is where we hear about these problems. And we're seeing these problems also as we engage our business leaders to do business process review. Um, that's really what, uh, I guess, sets our priority list. And I think it's why we've been successful in the adoption to date is because we're solving for problems that we know need to be solved for based on feedback directly from clients and directly from employees. Okay. Well, I think that takes us into basically our next question. Um, can, I mean, just some more specifics around what are some of the common problems employees face and are there, is there anything particularly exciting in terms of opportunities to solve them? You mentioned some of the startups you're seeing and some of that kind of thing. So can you, can you talk to some, some of the more specific problems? Yeah, you know, I would say that um, when you peel back and let's just talk about the healthcare industry, um, you know, we, obviously innovation for us spans all of our different business lines. But if we look at healthcare specifically, um, there's so many individuals in, that are struggling with chronic disease. Um, there's the prescription utilization is through the roof throughout the industry and throughout the country as far as people and the number of folks that are on prescriptions. So I think those are problems that uh, we're addressing, and there's a lot of solutions that I think are being built to address those problems to help those individuals manage their diseases, number one, and then get them on a path to uh, you know, eliminate some of the, the chronic diseases as well. And much of that is not just managing, but then figuring out how we can help that individual person because it's come to light that you know, one drug uh, for a particular disease is, is not a one-size-fits-all. Each individual person um, has their uh, a particular drug that might be best for them, a particular dosage. So you're seeing the combination of how do we manage folks and give them access to information, uh, meet them where they are, you know, usually utilizing tools that are Bluetooth connected, um, and then how do we then personalize the care down to the individual and in some cases, that involves uh, genomics and genetic testing. So um, those are the biggest areas, I think, that, you know, if you peel back claims, you're going to see a large pocket of folks that are driving the claims, and they're, again, driven down to certain chronic diseases, and a lot of tools then are being built to help manage those uh, diseases more effectively. 
Right. So I think, you know, what you're what you're touching on there is, you know, how the data drives decisions. And I think whether it's, you know, claim data or, you know, any other type of data, um, you know, it includes benefit decisions employers make each year. So from your perspective, why is it so critical for employers to embrace digital transformation for their benefit strategies? Yeah, I, I think I would say it's it's most clearly put in the digital isn't a thing any longer. It, it is the world we live in. Everywhere that we're engaged as individuals um, to date, outside of walking into our employers uh, and managing our, our, our employee benefit programs, they're interacting digitally um, from the minute they wake up to the minute they go to bed. And so I think the sooner we realize that we are in the digital world um, and that we have to give these employees the same experience with their benefit programs that they're getting elsewhere with their shopping for their clothes and for their, you know, your food or any other supplies, the better off we're going to be. Um, and our ability to take that data and communicate them with them again in a personalized fashion is going to be helpful in driving outcomes. Um, because again, that's what they're used to. Uh, they're, they're used to buying a pair of jeans one day and the next day the computer telling them that this shirt would go well with those jeans. And, and I'm not saying that healthcare is that easy because there's a lot of um, pieces within it to make that hard, but the availability of data is making it easier and easier every day to kind of follow, follow the suit with that personalization that they're receiving elsewhere. All right. Well, I know, you know, even connecting with employees from, you know, enrollment meetings and things like that. I know we've we've taken on an initiative to, you know, do all of that virtually. So, you know, it's interesting how we we need to connect more personally and all, always more digitally with employees. Well, there seems to be an abundance of data. So but so managing it effectively and extracting insights that create advantages and enhanced competitiveness remains difficult for a lot of organizations. What is NFP doing to help organizations in this area, especially as it relates to their benefit programs? Yeah, so we, we've developed a platform called NFP Connect um, that is really helping drive our transformation, our digital transformation. And at the core of that is, is the aggregation of data um, in a data lake to help our clients make better business decisions. Um, there are, uh, you know, we're on a, with a hockey stick curve of technology advancements and every day it feels like there's new solutions coming to market and a lot of solutions that provide um, great benefits to employers, but they're point solutions and they're somewhat siloed. And so gathering more information from these siloed solutions is great, but the real power is when you can bring all that data together and cross-reference and help drive decisions moving forward so that we're not just managing claims, but we're actually um, you know, attacking it at the core and helping drive down uh, claims in the future and you know, manage risk more effectively. So Connect is our, our you know, kind of a, a baby of mine that we've been working on for quite some time and, and has ca caught a lot of uh, momentum and uh, to, at the, uh, um, I guess, a lot of work has been put into by a lot of folks within the organization to drive this initiative. And uh, it's really pretty cool to see, but it's early days. Um, I don't know what the future of it will be, but we know that if we focus on data, we focus on bringing solutions to our clients to actively gather that data, uh, we're going to be in a good position moving forward to help clients uh, manage risk. Because that's what insurance is about, right? It's about managing risk. 
Right. Well, and I think, um, Mark, on NFP Connect, that's also going to help with that personalization, right? So we can drive that data, you know, to the employee level. So not just to the client level, but to the employees themselves. So, you know, that aggregation of data will not only, you know, help the employer to look at things in an aggregated way, but also help them determine what they want to drive to their employees. Yeah, and I, I might add to that just just to, you know, and then it'll say people might think, oh, well, is that happening? Um, what, what, you know, you're talking about a lot of personalization, aggregation of data, and I get it, but are we seeing it in the market? And I think if you just did a quick Google search and you looked up um, Amazon's and what uh, Amazon and what they're doing, and they're collaborative with J.P. Morgan um, and um, Berkshire Hathaway, and you look actually at Google and their um, purchasing of healthcare data you can see that you're having some other, uh, I guess, businesses realize that there's opportunity here and they're positioning themselves to capitalize on it. So this is most of this data conversation that we're having isn't just something that, that NFP has thought up that is going to be futuristic. It's, it's happening today um, if you choose to go out and, and look for it. So. Right. Yeah. And I think it's happening at, as you're mentioning, those are, you know, jumbo kind of, you know, organizations. But I think what NFP is bringing to the table is for, you know, really the average employer to be able to do, you know, model something that works for them in their market. So, well, you understand... You understand how collaboration and innovation go hand in hand, and you've built strong relationships with a variety of startups over the last several years, you know, with the innovation initiative. How do you successfully foster a community of trust and sharing that connects opportunities to solve problems with focused problem solvers? And what lessons have you learned along the way? Yeah, I I think um, I would say it's an ecosystem and, and, and the sooner people realize that there's not going to be one of the partners in the ecosystem that is going to be able to effectively drive the change, the better. And I think you're starting to see that. I think you're starting to see corporations open up to the startup community. If you look at the insure tech space, early days, people always reference them as disruptors. Um, and I think folks are realizing that they're less disrupting and more partnering to help us enhance the experience. Um, so you're having insurance companies, be, whether it's through acquisition or just partnership, be much more receptive to the, the, the new entrants than you've ever seen before. I think you're also seeing a lot of the insure tech um, startup companies that came in thinking they were going to conquer the world because they looked at a problem that exists within an industry and was like, we'll solve for it with technology. And they soon, soon realized that uh, the insurance space is a little bit unique. Um, it's just not about, oh, we can fix it with pushing data here and pulling data from there that there's a lot of unique features uh, within the insurance industry. You're talking about a lot of uh, legacy systems and partners that they, they, it's better to work with than to try to uh, work against. And, and lastly, I think, you know, what we've tried to convey with employers that unless they're willing to take some chances and they're willing to innovate alongside that all the work the insurance companies and the startups are doing is for naught because it takes the employer's, desire or their buy-in to get engaged to make change happen, which isn't always comfortable, but to make change happen in order for it to um, actually be able to take shape. So bringing those three together, and I think, you know, what we've learned is that um, we started off early on in our innovation days with just focusing on the startups and feeling that educating uh, our advisors and our clients on the startups and what they were doing was going to be enough. 
And since then, we've pivoted to realize that it really took a step. We had to take a step back and educate everybody about what innovation was um, and under, have them understand it's all about being better and then help them to, under, to realize that these innovators that are coming to table, uh, again, are part of the ecosystem, not the full solution. So you know, lessons learned of, of working together, um, providing feedback to one another to ultimately affect change. Got it. Was there any recent, um, relatively recent innovation in the employee benefit space that stands out to you as a real difference maker for employers and employees? And along with that, are there any big ideas that are percolating today that you see, maybe some that connect to problems that are just emerging? And, and what are the barriers preventing them from becoming reality? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd say that the technologies are necessarily new, but them being brought into healthcare has um, allowed a lot of things to springboard forward. I would say the biggest one is Bluetooth technology that has been brought in with wearable devices to help more effectively manage a person's illness. Um, you know, you say all the time, and this goes to the point of innovation about being better. It's not that diabetes management didn't exist for the last whatever, 25 years, however long, um, plus there was always this specialized diabetes care management team that you could sign up for a counseling session at open enrollment and a, a nurse practitioner or a doctor would communicate with you afterwards to get you uh, on the schedule for a follow-up. And it was never convenient, right? They'd call you and you're in the middle of a project or you get a follow-up call and you had to run out to your child's soccer game, whatever it was, it was never something and so the follow-through and the ability to really impact change was, was, was low. Um, I think now with tools that are able to follow an employee along and track um, their illness and track when there might be flare-ups or they're having issues via Bluetooth off of, a, uh, off of a wearable device allows for that same practitioner to reach out to that individual while they were, quote-unquote, while it was in the moment. Um, while they were having uh, an issue relevant to their chronic disease, in this case, my example being diabetes, and they're much more likely to engage at that spot because they're, uh, they're struggling. And so I think the ability to meet people where they are when they're having issues and then get better engagement has been brought um, a lot further along because of Bluetooth technology. And then I would say, you know, what, what's, what are newer things that I'm most excited about? I, I'm I'm most keen on the genomic space. Um, we're seeing a lot of it right now with focused in individual areas like prescription management to help people. It's, it's now been proven that there are certain prescriptions um, that historically to get on the right drug, let's say for depression, it was more of a trial and error. And that's costly, not only from a dollars and cents perspective, but a potential employee's health perspective of getting on a prescription that wasn't the right fit for them. Um, it's come to be known now through genetic testing that you can narrow down and more pinpoint effectively which prescription is going to be best for which individual. And again, it saves money, it saves time, and it saves, it saves you know, effort of an employee and potential um, you know, side effects that they might have had to make them, again, improving their lives. So I think genomics is something that uh, I think people are uh, 23 and me has brought people along a little bit. I always say if something catches on in your personal lives, you're much more likely to see it adopted in, let's say, the employee benefit space. And I would say, you know, 20 years ago, if you talked about genomics, people might think you're cloning and creating llamas or something, but now they're seeing that it can be used to really benefit them 
Um, and I think your last question was about um, what's holding back. Right, and I think it's just, uh, yeah, I, I'd say complacency. Um, I'd say, uh, and lack of understanding of what uh, really can be done. So I think further education and then, you know, folks just taking initiative and making change um, and, and enacting change and, and driving change within the organization. Um, those will help um, to, to kind of keep that, what I believe is holding people back right now. Well, I think that kind of leads us to our next question. So in the, in the trend report, you talked about adaptability at the core of design and strategy. And so that it was essential for, you know, long-term success to be adaptable. And I think that applies to employers, employees, you know, even in our personal lives. What steps can companies take to elevate adaptability? And is there a crossover point where too much focus on adaptability impairs results? I think the steps would be just to say, do you have a, a structure within your organization that would allow you to uh, implement change uh, effectively with all parties buy-in? Um, to, to bring in new solution or to make change at one level without getting engagement, um, I think you'll find lack of adoption and projects that fail. So I think the sooner you understand uh, your, your structure and who the uh, key stakeholders are, and where you need to get the buy-in, and that there is a process to bring ideas through that channel um, to ultimately decide on whether, whether or not they become implemented, uh, that's a great first step. And, and I say this, this holds true with health insurance and employee benefits, um, but it, 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 I think it's the same structure for any change that you're going to enact within the organization. Um, you know, make sure that you're not getting too bogged down in red tape um, make sure, again, that you know all the players, because if you don't and you don't engage everybody, you could get tripped up somewhere along the way. As far as adapting too much, I don't think you can, but I do believe that uh, um, I'll draw the analogy of, of changing the lanes in the highway, right? As you're traveling somewhere, we all think that's better. I think switching lanes too frequently um, doesn't get you any further, any faster. And so I think the same holds true. The challenge with that is in, in the world today and most of your executive team is always pushing folks to, to kind of measure the ROI. And some of the tools and solutions that we're bringing in to help impact change are a little bit more long-term. And if you focus too much on the short-term, you might switch the lanes too much and never receive the full benefits of something that you put into play that might not come about uh, making change for a few years down the line. So I think that's the only the only challenge with being too adaptable is that maybe you don't see the, the fruits of your labors uh, because you cut it off too soon. Well, I certainly think that, you know, 2020 has proven to be the year of adaptability. So, you know, I think we've so much change from compliance to, you know, the way we, we monitor people, everything. It's happened so fast in 2020. I didn't think things and benefits could happen this fast, but it's been a, a very busy year. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, does 2021 play out in a similar way or, you know, frankly, is everyone exhausted and, you know, kind of takes a year to regroup and, uh, you know, and re-strategize on what they're going to do. So, well, in the report, you write, putting the end user at the center of every digital activity will drive engagement and allow companies to capture previously unimagined value. Definitely a statement most, if not all, would agree with, but in the context of corporate benefits, the interests of the employer and employee, both end users in their own way, 
aren't always aligned. What challenges do you see in focusing on the end user in the face of emerging trends? Yeah, I think this goes back a little bit to what I just said around too much of a focus on the short-term ROI. Um, Change takes time. It's not easy. Um, And if you're there to improve lives of the end user, and that's the ultimate benefit, you have to allow for those changes to take place and and to kind of see the full the full benefit. So, you know, I think the best way to look at what you're doing is understand that there are certain changes that you can impact today that have short-term benefits. Um, there's sh- certain changes and uh, new solutions you can in- put in today that have, you know, medium-term uh, rewards and ones that are going to take a lot longer. And so to, to kind of have that strategy and, and lay that strategy out to an executive team and let them understand that you're going to pick up some wins early on with these strategies, and these other ones are going to take some time. I think it buys you some, it buys you time um, and allows you to really get deeply engaged with that individual. Uh, and if you're engaged with the individual, you're going to start changing behaviors of the individual. And those, again, those change behaviors all come back to a more successfully and efficiently run plan. So I think that's probably the, the, it's the most difficult thing. I, I will say that, uh, you know, studies we've been seeing, and interviews with senior management and leadership on the executive team prior to the pandemic, I would tell you that most of the hang up with bringing a new solution in um, came, the, the, I would hear the feedback from the HR folks, from HR folks saying, well, you know, I don't know if I can sell that to the executive team. And so they're always focused on the, that, again, that um, the ROI, the cost benefit analysis uh, studies we've seen recently uh, show that the majority of executives believe that in order to come out or to manage through the pandemic, that innovation, that change is going to be required. Um, and then you look to some other studies I've seen done by McKinsey that show those that innovate and rethink their business during a pandemic, uh, not only outperform their competition during the pandemic, but come out of it um, that much ahead of the game. So I think there is uh, as much as the focus on the ROI, I think there is a buy-in from the executive team that change needs to occur. And they might have been the challenge leading up to this around getting people to move and, and, and move off the status quo. There's an opportunity out there and uh, somewhat of a green light from the executive team to go make things happen. And I just encourage everybody to do so. All right. Well, I think that thanks so much for joining us, Mark. I think that the, the you know, punchline here is certainly have a strategy, have a short-term strategy, for have sure. a long-term strategy. Certainly, you know, that strategy needs to be adjusted, you know, probably on a yearly basis as things occur. This year being a perfect example of, you know, strategies got turned upside down. But I think innovation, you know, NFP believes NFP, NFP believes innovation plays such a large part of that, um, you know, and will continue to, you know, make make huge efforts and strides in that area for our clients. So thanks for joining me today. And thanks for everyone for listening in on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Cheers.